Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Good morning and welcome to the 1st of April. Good morning, John Lamb. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, gardeners. And goodbye, Dalo. It's saving. <laughs> yes, it's all over. Don't forget tonight to turn your clocks back one hour, wherever they may be, on your wrist, on your wall, on your devices, and reclaim that extra hour of sleep. Yes, and the plants in the garden said to me this morning, no, we don't mind, we'll still keep on growing even though you're sleeping in. <laughs> exactly, they, they will continue on regardless. But the big question, of course, is what is the weather going to be like ahead for us, John? Absolutely, yes. Potential for wet conditions in winter. Darren Ray is the climatologist here in South Australia, independent, and he provides it's a wonderful three-month weather outlook for home gardeners, and uh, you might give us a quick little heads up on Easter, but it's what lies ahead for the rest of autumn and into winter and possibly spring. The, we've had an interesting start to the season. It's been almost a mirror of last year, but perhaps uh, I think things are going to change pretty quickly, so it'll be interesting to see what Darren's got to say, particularly uh, about what's happening in the Indian Ocean as distinct from the Pacific Ocean. Pacific Ocean is relating to uh, El Niños and La Niños, and El Niño's the warm one, and uh, Darren is more concerned uh, for South Australian point of view with the Indian Ocean and the Indian Ocean Diapole, and that can be positive or negative, and Darren will tell us what's going to happen there. Fantastic. We look forward, as always, to Darren, who joins us at the first um, weekend of the month with his wonderful seasonal outlook for gardeners. I have two ABC Gardening Australia magazines to give away a little bit later. They have gorgeous Banksias, bold and beautiful, on the cover this month. Absolutely stunning. And don't forget, it's Appy Hour, so get Appy. Download the ABC Listen app. It's bright pink with the white ABC worm or lysergus on it. And we want you through the that by just tapping the ABC Listen app to text through and tell us your favourite job in the garden and so many wonderful gardening jobs coming in. People just love their gardening, including Liz who says, I love watching my husband in the garden. That's her favourite <laughs> thing to do, Good making one. sure he does all the gardening jobs properly. Uh, lots of people loving weeding. Uh, it's amazing how much um, pleasure we can get from doing even jobs that we might think are a bit of a drag at times. And please send through your name and your suburb because poor old Steve's going to have to choose a winner at random for the last of the uh, ABC Bluetooth earbuds for you so you can listen to us with your smartphone wherever you are all weekend. And you can do that right now of course so don't forget to do that please john uh, wants to thank you for being a part of the tomato survey 2023 if you haven't filled it out yet please do it and john you're going to give us some early results a little yes, bit later we're going to thank over a thousand home gardeners that have already filled out the form which is available in the good gardening newsletter if you're wondering where you get it from <laughs> and it's just a matter of clicking the button uh, when you're looking at your newsletter on your on your computer but uh, yeah, a thousand people have replied, so we might take a, just a little peek at some of the some of the, the key issues that are coming out of it. What was the biggest issue that concerned uh, uh, most 
gardeners that filled in the survey and more about that later. Wonderful. But right now I think it's time to welcome the man that we look forward to at the beginning of every month and that is our independent climatologist Darren Ray. Yes, most uh, people that follow the weather fairly closely uh, are listening to what they're saying about the potential of uh, uh, La Nina uh, which is over in the Pacific Ocean. But Darren Ray often sort of says, no, it's okay, focus a little bit more on the Indian Ocean. So let's say good morning to you, Darren Ray. Uh, we were talking about the difference between the Pacific Ocean and the Indian Ocean. The Pacific one uh, uh, covers Australia, I suppose, uh, the weather systems, whereas in South Australia you're suggesting that maybe it's the uh, Indian Ocean we should be focusing on. So give us a little heads up as to what's happening in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, um, and I'll just say I've, I've just been enjoying the garden the last week or so. My ginger plants play out, and I look forward to that every year uh, because it's, it looks and smells amazing. So, oh, lovely. A bit of joy at the moment. Can um, I ask you, how did your tomatoes go? I remember you sort of telling us that you put in uh, some tomatoes. Uh, did, did they come to any fruition? And uh, oh, I, was, I was only just messing around with a little bit of cherry tomatoes in, in pots so nothing major John um, I'm looking forward to hearing um, yeah what come out of uh, other people's experiences so it gets stuck in a lot more than I do, I do. but um, yeah so uh, yeah on to you were just talking about yeah the, the background climate influences for this year so so here we are you know end of March and you know what's the rest of the year shaping up like um, so yeah um, you so we, we've seen the last couple of years La Nina and negative in the ocean dipole influences, so the cooler and wetter influences. And so we've been talking um, the last couple of months about the possibility of going the other direction. And, and I guess the biggest thing that's come out of since I spoke to you guys last is um, modelling has firmed up just a little bit more around um, the El Nino signal in the Pacific Ocean, but more importantly, as, as John alluded to, the... Um, possibility of, of a hot dry influence from the Indian Ocean, so the positive phase of the Indian Ocean dipole for this year. So yeah, we're at a, you know, really a time when we're really starting, when we can really start to get a handle on what, what the rest of the year is going to shape up like. And um, yeah, they're just firming up in that sort of hot and dry direction in contrast to last the last uh, couple of years. So let's take a look at that Indian Ocean dipole. It, it, it sort of comes uh, and uh, hangs around for a little while and disappears. When will it start to kick in and how long will its influence last? So typically it starts off, um, can be as early as May, but it's typically June, um, June, July it uh, starts off. So it has its peak impact in, um, and this is both the positive hot dry phase and then the negative cooler and wet phase. So um, uh, yeah, they both typically both start off around about June and go through till November with the peak influence in August, September, October. And uh, yeah, so the modelling um, has firmed up a bit more into a, a much more concrete, um, cooler than average ocean temperatures to northwest of Australia and warmer near Africa. So Africa gets the rain and we get the um, decreased moisture and decreased cloud and um, the atmosphere tends to sink down a bit more than usual and inhibit rainfall. So, uh, uh, yeah, hot and dry conditions. Okay, so in both sides, both oceans are suggesting it could be hotter and drier, yet at the moment we're still getting probably cooler than average weather and even wetter than average weather. So it's just the leftovers of the... uh, the the previous system, or is there something else happening? Uh, 
just it, warm water. I, mean, I, 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 I'd probably argue a little bit with the cooler than average. It's it's pretty pretty bang on average. But uh, we did get we did end up with a little bit uh, above average rainfall in in March. But um, uh, probably a little bit lucky to get that. So um, yeah, it's um, the, I mean all the all the indications are that we we will see a drier than average next few months and. Um, and as we as we go through towards the middle of the year through winter, that we start to see those influences from the Pacific and Indian Ocean starting to kick in and pushing things even more towards hotter and drier conditions. Could I introduce another little system, and uh, just very very briefly? You sometimes talk about uh, an MJO, the Madden-Julian oscillation, and there's another little oscillation <coughs> that goes around the world, uh, the Throsby wave. Just very very briefly, uh, what what are they, and, and are they going to have an influence on what's happening to our weather? Just very briefly. Yeah, so, yeah thanks, John. It's a great question. Um, so, the, what's going on in the Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, sets the background conditions, and what moisture is available, and where, and and then it also influences where the high-pressure systems tend to sit in the mid-latitudes where we are. Um, but over the uh, over shorter time frames, so more to the sort of four to six-week time frame, we see these pulses of tropical activity that move along the equator. So I've spoken about the Madden June Oscillation, or MJ, which starts near Africa and goes across northern Australia into the Pacific. So that goes from west to east. Um, there are other ones, there are other pulses, a major one called the Equatorial Rosby wave which comes from the Pacific and moves across towards the west. And uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting watching this stuff pulsing away over a four to six week time frame. And what that means at the moment is, um, in terms of gardeners, uh, we're seeing, so we've seen a bit of a managing oscillation, uh, sorry, uh, uh, a little bit of a pulse of Equatorial Rosby wave activity in the end of March, and that's contributed to the rainfall that we had in the last week. Um, that's weakened off, and and we're about to get a NGO come the other way, and so that's um, going to contribute to rainfall in a, the low pressure system, which the weather forecasts have got coming through Wednesday, uh, early oh, sorry Tuesday Wednesday this coming week, and uh, and then there's looking like um, a bit, bit more of another equatorial Rossby wave around mid month, so. I guess what we're, um, what that means is this first half of the month we're seeing a lot of very patchy, <coughs> pardon me, very patchy rainfall influences on and off um, through the through the next couple of weeks. Okay, and so the middle, uh, let's follow April through. Uh, so if the first half is going to be patchy rainfall, um, what happens then in the middle and towards the end in terms of rainfall? Yeah, uh, so I, I, I mean. I'm, so we've got a lovely weekend ahead for getting out in the garden. Um, we've got Easter coming up next week. So we've got this weather system coming through um, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, low pressure system that moves fairly slowly. And it looks like it's going to have a fair bit of cold air wrapping around the back of it. And that's um, probably not necessarily what people want to hear for Easter. Um, it's it's going to see a lot of sort of really to the cold, windy, southerly winds um, for Easter weekend. And um, a little bit not... Not particularly heavy, but just lots of drizzly, cloudy, uh, you know, w windy, cloudy, colder conditions for for Easter. Um, that are really going to stay pretty much right through the weekend. I might probably get a little bit better on sort of su Sunday, Monday, but it's not looking like, looking ideal for unfortunately for being out and about. And a much nicer weekend this weekend for gardening. But um, all right, and later so, later on in April, what happens? Yeah, then? so so overall the temperatures look very. You know, like relatively mild, um, just lots of low mid twenty temperatures, 
Um, we'll possibly see the odd day in the high 20s, possibly even, you know, might sneak in a 30, but not, certainly nothing extreme for heat. Um, just, you know, very, um, and very patchy on and off. And um, so second half of the month looks looks a little bit the same as well, just, um, but probably a little bit of a break in the third week and then coming in again at the end of um, end of April. Okay, and then we move into May. Uh, is that going to... Uh, uh, is that wetter, those wetter and cooler conditions are going to continue or do we start to see the influence of uh, the Indian Ocean dipole and possibly uh, the uh, what's happening in the Pacific? Yeah, so that's um, it does start it does look like the uh, you know that sort of hot or dry conditions do start to make their impact a little bit in May. So I was looking at the forecast of the strength of the, the high pressure systems over southern Australia, and that looks like it'll be stronger than usual. So the cold fronts are going to be further south and weaker, and so I think we'll probably have a relatively dry May um, and clearer clearer conditions, and probably a little bit below average for rainfall. And uh, yeah, but. If, best possibility of rains in that first week or so um, and and then right again at the end of the month the last week of, of may all right and june and yeah and then so as as we were talking about john the uh, the influence of that move towards positive iod el nino conditions really starting to creep in as we go through the june july august and so on the dry side warmer than average and so overall winter's looking warmer than average and then the signal really comes in in spring so I was looking at the um, you know, some of the modelling for temperatures for spring, and it's, it's really firmed up for warmer, warmer than average conditions, particularly across um, northern parts of South Australia um, through spring. Okay, it's the rainfall in spring that many people are interested in. Of course, last year, if you take a look, this year started off very similar to last year, but last year, if we take a look at late winter and spring, was some excellent rains and really set up the the, the, the gardening season for many people. We're going to get the opposite to that this year, do you think? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, very different. So uh, fairly similar first half of the year in lots of ways, but very different second half of the year is what we've seen shaping up. So as I mentioned last time, it's, um, yeah, you'd be cautious a little bit more. And um, yeah, it's interesting, I've, I've spoken to people who are you know, involved in tree planting or looking to plant trees out in their gardens and surprising how often they pick really terrible years to be when there's low rainfall and to, to uh, go planting trees. And so if you're, if you're contemplating any sort of major planting program, it's, it's possibly not the ideal year to be doing it. Um, would be a good because we, you know, we're, we're probably going to be down, you know, 50 or so or more millimeters in rainfall for spring, and same sort of thing for winter, compared to the average. So you know, sort of two thirds to three quarters the average winter and spring rainfall this year. So also a good uh, time to start gathering mulch for later on in the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, yeah, so warmer than average spring, and, and probably a risk of heat wave, early heat waves in summer, and that sort of thing at the end of the year. So, could, um, yeah. Could I just come back to one issue? Um, when you get sort of drier conditions, often you get uh, frosty conditions. Is that likely to be significant this year? Yeah, that's a yeah terrific terrific point, John. Um, so yeah, we'll, 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 it does look like we'll end up with drier than average soils um, and clearer, clearer skies, stronger high pressure systems, lighter winds. So all conducive to a to a, um, a increased frost risk uh, as we go through through winter and spring. And um, I mean, just looking at the modelling, there's a looks like the first little sort of hit of that is likely to be sort of early June, um, and that's really around the time when we 
um, headed, we could see a, a sort of break in the growing season as well. I just have a little question for you, Darren, about April, if you don't mind. Um, I know we've got some rain coming this week. Not a lot in it, but there will be some across the week. Are we going to see any rain towards, you know how we often have a break in the season around Anzac Day and a lot of people Mm. look at that. Will there be much rain around about that time? Yeah, that's a a terrific question. Um, The... uh and, and yeah, the, the short answer is there is. I mean, it's surprising how often it comes in and um, around right, right on that time and it does seem to be related to um, the timing of this of tropical influences that I was talking about. Um, and so the tropical activity does look like it's going to pick up around about sort of 23rd leading up to Anzac Day. So um, it does look at that last week. Um, it's got some potential for some rain. It's a little bit hard to say how much and what that might look like this far ahead, but... Um, certainly the tropical activity looks like it's going to be supportive of that, um, Deb. So, yeah. Thank you. Darren, you've just upset Deb. She was going <laughs> camping on that weekend, I do believe. Okay, so Easter's coming along and, and, and the Bureau are suggesting there could be sort of 10, 15 or 20 millimetres. Is that going to be the break in the season or you mentioned uh, it could actually be June before we see the break? Uh, so the system next week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, people, I mean, particularly farmers talk about, you know, getting 20, 20 25 millimetres over a few days. Um, it doesn't look like their system next week, and I don't, I would be surprised if we got that here in Adelaide um, uh, in April. Um, and, but, you know, I think areas further south, so maybe, like the, you know, southeast and Kangaroo Island, Lower Peninsula, Lower York Peninsula, they might end up with enough sort of drizzly, persistently drizzly stuff through April to maybe feel like they've had a half a break. Yes, well, you've mentioned a number of times, I think, that uh, the break this year is going to come from sort of probably lots of lots of uh, little fronts coming through, but uh, it's mm. going to be June, you're suggesting, maybe, before we get a good significant rain? Yeah, well, certainly in the modelling, that's what I'm seeing, yeah. Okay. Um, it holds off a little bit, it's a little bit patchy, a little bit light on um, until, until early June. All right, Darren Ray, uh, lovely ch- chatting to you about all kinds of things weather-wise and I uh, look forward very much to talking to you first Saturday of next month. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, Deb. Thank you, Darren. Darren Ray, our wonderful independent climatologist, gives us his seasonal outlook for gardeners in the first uh, weekend of every month and very reliable his information is indeed. Oh, only about 10 minutes left of our appy hour. We want some appy gardeners. We want your favourite jobs in the garden. Really having some wonderful, wonderful texts here. I can see they must be sent from the ABC Listen app. Don't send it straight from your smartphone. You've got to download the ABC Listen app, the bright pink one, and nominate ABC Radio Adelaide as your favourite. Then you'll see a little telephone will come up on a right-hand button. You press that and you'll be offered a call or a text option and you need to text through using that. That's why I'm not giving you out the number at the moment so that you can do that. But such things as choosing and sowing seeds are coming up. Hand watering, which I love doing. Because it's an enforced break, isn't it, in the garden when you hand water. Uh, discovering a plant that's come back to life, says one listener. You know, when you think you've said goodbye to something and then there it is showing sign of life. Uh, feeding lawn clippings to the cows is another, which I <laughs> love. Uh, chopping up branches, putting them back on the soil. Um, Sharing the garden with birds and wildlife. Of course, many people love picking and eating their fruit and vegetable. Um, And another person hit something that I love, which is favourite time in the garden. 
golden time, that time just after sunset when you look up to the trees and there's a golden glow on them. It's just absolutely beautiful. Inspecting plants, so many. Uh, Steve is going to pick one at random to win you the ABC Bluetooth earbuds. So the last ones we're giving away in our Get Appy promotion. But please put your name and your suburb in. Now we're getting back to our general talk back gardening calls now. So give us a call on the blower. You can do it via the app. Just tap the ABC Listen app or call one 891 Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide. We've got lots of lines free. If you would like to speak to John, you'll get <clears> on very quickly on 1300 222 Or if you have uh, got the app in front of you, just tap the ABC Listen app and you'll come through. Kate from Hawthorne, Dean, did you tap the app or did you call us old school style? I managed to tap the app. Good work. Good work. I actually had... I had to reload the app, actually. Okay, because well, it does get updated a lot. Sometimes you have to reload yeah. it as they add new updates to it. Well, Kate, thanks for calling in by tapping the ABC Listen app. And you've got a cherry tree question. Yeah. Now, I reckon it's a lapin cherry. Doubt that that makes a difference. Of um, A possum, I reckon, is getting into it. It's taken out about a third of the canopy. I pruned it during summer for height purposes now I don't know whether to prune below where all the leaves have been eaten or leave it because the leaves haven't turned and dropped yet right oh so when were the possums attacking the tree I reckon they're still going they're just munching away and uh, yep. so give me a visual picture uh, they're eating the stems or just the tips or are they no, coming down on the leaves the, the leaves they're taking out the leaves they started at the top they've taken out the top right hand quarter yes and they're working over towards the left now all right well i think i'd be leaving well alone because yeah. uh, the tree needs as many leaves as possible to actually store energy for next year's bud burst and flowers and fruit. And so if you start pruning now, you're just reducing uh, the leaves and that reduces its potential for photosynthesis. So it no, I wondered if... Oh, sorry, John. No, I, no you, you go ahead. Like, I wondered whether just to cut off the branches that the leaves have been eaten on, or that doesn't matter because they haven't dropped yet. Well, if there's no leaves on them, and I don't think they're going to get too many leaves coming out. No. Uh, so no. if you want to just tidy it up a little bit, I'd be cutting them back. Um, and maybe, uh, have you got lots of trees around you? Or Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Possums are an ongoing problem by the sound of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've got well, quite the routine going across yeah. the roof. Okay. Well, the only routine, uh, the only answer to that is is about covering your tree if you wanted to protect it, some form of. Uh, yeah, I've taken the net down after I no, okay. got, got the crop, and now well, they're going to town on. See it. if you can find a food that they prefer rather than eating the cherry tree, and that might give you sort of some temporary re- respite. So uh, find out what they might like to eat and then uh, uh, feed them for the next uh, few weeks, and then hopefully during winter they go somewhere else. And, of course, next season you can put your netting up again, and that should give you protection. All right. No, well, they certainly prefer the cherry to the plum. 
It's fascinating. There must be uh, the, the ability to determine uh, the different kind of sugars, I suppose, presume, in the tree, and they particularly like this one or they like that rose bush and they don't like another one. They uh, like the sweet little rose buds. <laughs> they love to eat those. Yes, but why do they eat the leaves? Maybe they need extra fibre. Who knows? Kate from Hawthorne, Dean, good luck because, yeah, possums uh, love our native wildlife, but yeah, they can do a lot of damage to our gardens, no doubt about it. Leonie is in Henley Beach where, of course, Open Gardens have got their uh, lovely chance to go visit um, private gardens as well as the Henley Community Garden. Leonie, good morning. Oh, good morning. Uh, yes, um, I, I've got an ordinary sort of nice garden and, and I've planted... Um, a bank here. I wanted to go native more than anything else because I'm 92 and I can't keep going with things that need desperate, you know, annuals and things. So anyway, I put a bank here in and it looked good and it's growing quite well, but it's yellow. Okay. Uh, yellowish. And it's the new and leaves going yellow or the old ones, Leonie? Um, well, it, it all... It, Yes, I think the whole lot. The whole lot, uh, yes. Sort of yellowish. Yeah, that's... Even the new top. Very disappointing. Um, and, and could you tell me whether it's yellow all over the leaf or is it sort of a, a mottled yellow so that you see um, that the veins are still green but it's yellow in between no, the no, veins? No, no, it's not great. great like, it's not that bad, not that bad. It's just a, it's tending to do that and I wanted to try and put some fertiliser or something on it but it, because it's a bank here I wondered if it needed some different kind of attention. I suspect you know. that because you're along the beach aren't you um, it's probably very alkaline soil and I think the, the, probably the quickest way to find out what the problem is is to get some iron chelates iron chelates uh, that's C-H-E-L-A-T-E-S, chelates. It's a special form of iron, but you need to spray it onto the foliage. So you get a little sprayer, and the little sprayers that you use for uh, ironing, and, and just uh, mix up the chelates, and probably, uh, if you say, got half a litre of a bottle that holds half a litre, I'd be putting in probably a heaped teaspoon of iron chelates, and just mix it up and spray that onto the foliage. That should uh, give you relief, and so by the end of uh, autumn, the leaves should have gone green again. And if you find that the next year the, the new growth comes out and it's, it's going yellow, uh, just give it a spray of iron. But if you've got an iron deficiency in your plants, you have to be able to spray the iron chelates onto the foliage. Uh, the, on the packet, it'll say, put it into the soil, but that won't work on alkaline soils. Does that sound okay to you, Leonie? Bye-bye now. Thanks, Leonie. I appreciate that. I love your allusion there to the thing that you use for ironing. I haven't ironed for about a quarter of a century, John, <laughs> so I wasn't sure what you meant there. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we're in a household. Well, <laughs> your problem, son. <laughs> you, you iron it. <laughs> Jeannie. Well, that's fair enough too, isn't it? I'm oh, all yeah, for that. No, I've sold that. I take my shirts <laughs> to somewhere to, that does the ironing or, for you. Or, or do, uh, what I do is great hanging. And it's all in the hanging, John, and then you don't need to iron at all. Anyway, we, we are talking gardening, <laughs> not ironing. Jeannie's in Elizabeth. Jeannie, um, you want to know about um, using uh, great mildewed leaves in your mulch? 
Yes, and just with the ironing, that's my favourite job in the garden is ironing under the apple tree. <laughs> How about that? Isn't that fun? Some people actually like ironing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, look, the, the old grapevine's done marvellously. Uh, no fruit this year. It all withered with all of the mildews. Um, it's got about half coverage of leaf than it usually has, so I've, I've lost half with the mildew. What's left? Can I mulch with that? I always use that over winter to mulch the garden. Absolutely, yes. Oh, lovely. Yes. Um, I mean, it's all organic. And the, the mulch, uh, presumably, it's either powdery mildew or it may have had uh, yeah. d- downy mildew also, mm. and uh, the leaves go all crinkly. And, and, and uh, But anyway, it, if it's a mildew, it's organic, and it'll break down the so, so will the leaves. Oh. And Look, I've, I've already thrown out about five wheelie bins of leaves because I got two schools of thought when I Googled it and I thought, I'm going to ring John. <laughs> okay, well, ideally, if you put it into the compost, then the compost would break it down. But even if it's just on the ground, because um, yeah. it, it, it's... Uh, the mildews are very, very specific. So the powdery mildew you see on the roses is very different to the powdery mildew you see on your peas. Uh, and so uh, uh, they're different races of, of, of the same kind of uh, uh, fungi. But uh-huh. in this situation, you'll just find that it'll moulder away. It might look a little bit funny. Um, if you can, mix it up with other materials, other leaves and things like that. Uh, yep. You'll find that uh, uh, it'll disappear, break down, and uh, you can say, ha-ha, that serves you. You're right, fungus. <laughs> Brilliant. And my grapevine will be fine again next year, Absolutely. I'm sure. It'll start all over again. And yeah. the, the important thing is to get in early. If you see that we're getting showery weather, uh, if yep. you possibly can, putting on one of the uh, organic uh, fungicides uh, that are available, I think you'll find that that will give you... Uh, if you can stop them before they get going, the organic materials are absolutely brilliant. Good. Thanks, Jeannie. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Lovely to hear from you in amongst all the wonderful things that people love doing in their garden, including, I might add, squashing aphids. Squashing aphids, yes, absolutely. There's a little yellow aphid. Uh, If if people have got mandevillias, you'll probably find that the new growth, if you look at it closely, it's plastered with these little yellow aphids. And all you've got to do is just get your finger and thumb and just roll it over the the tip growth and and you knock off 90% of the aphids, but you leave just enough enough for the little predator or to come along and gobble up the rest but if you come in and spray you wipe out the population and the poor old predators have nothing to eat oh yes well that we don't want to do that that's for sure now happy hour is now closed happy hour is now closed stay tuned for our winner we will let you know the winner very very shortly but uh, funnily enough someone said listening to the program and ironing at the very minute as well. So we will come, we'll tell you who our happy hour winner is in just a moment. Also, I've got two ABC Gardening Australia magazines to give away. And as we heard, Banksia's feature on the cover of those. We'll do that later in the program. And John, I'm very keen to hear some of the early results from your tomato season survey. All of that ahead on Talkback Gardening. This is Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Well, thank you to all of the Appy Gardeners who downloaded the ABC Listen app and sent through some wonderful suggestions of their favourite gardening jobs. Steve had a big job going through the many, many uh, app texts that we received, but our winner this morning is Nat from Modbury North. Good morning, Nat. 
Good morning, Deb. Now, you have loaded the ABC Listen app. Tell us uh, what your favourite job is. My favourite job in the garden is to repot my 70-pot garden wall each season, and autumn is my most favourite time to do it. How wonderful. It is wonderful. I have a very tiny backyard. It was a house they knocked down and built three townhouses on, so I have a courtyard of about five by five metres, and I put in a little, got a landscaper in and did some plants up, or bushes up the side, and so a feature garden wall, and I love it. So those pots, how, how big are the pots, and how do you water them? Uh, it's irrigated. Yes, it's automatic irrigation uh, system. Yes, yeah, that's yes, good. automatic yep. automatic irrigated system. I do feed them with my watering can once every couple of weeks, um, and then the pots... It's a bit like the um, the pots in the garden wall that were on the sh- display at the Easter show in Now Her Name Leaves Me. Um, your gardener. Sophie's um, Pat. In Sophie's Pat. Yes. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yes. so there were pots pots like that. Okay, righto. And, and what kind of plants are you featuring in them? I have violas at the moment and oh. lots of different colours. Yes. And yes. I have some cyclamens in there. And I have some succulents at the top that a friend gave me who they were overtaking her garden and I just absolutely love it in there. And down the bottom I have, oh my goodness, I'm a new gardener, I can't remember, but a grass that, that is long and, and flows down. So, so it's sort of... Okay, <laughs> like so you've got lot, at the bottom. lots of colour and it's working for you. And I just make the assumption that if the people want to put in a, a wall garden, do it properly. So many people will buy old cheapos, put it up there, uh, the plants go in and uh, within a couple of months they die. If you get the right size pots, put on an, an, auto, uh, an irrigation system uh, as Jill has done and done it... Nat. Uh, uh, Nat, sorry, uh, has, has done... Uh, you'll find that it works perfectly well. Well done. Well, Nat, Nat well done. And now you've got the ABC Listen app downloaded. You can be out at the wall with your smartphone and listen to Talk Back Gardening. Absolutely, will do. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thank you. Stay on the line, Nat. Congratulations. The last pair of Bluetooth earbuds in our Get Appy promotion. Jill is in Lewiston. Oh, Jill, you've got a delicious mulberry tree. Gee, I love them. But you'd like to move it, would you? Yes, Deb. It's in the. It was in the right spot when it went in a few years ago, but it's now in the wrong spot. Um, I'm, you know, average height for a woman, but 5'2", and it's the tallest leaves are as high as me, and it's spread out about as a wingspan for me. Um, so I want to know what's the best time to do it and what prep. I know, you know, about preparing the hole, I guess, but um, preparing the tree to shift All right, it so you're, you're moving it rather than cutting it back? Um, We're going to do both yes. by the sound of it. Yeah, well, no, I need, I need to do both. It's All actually right. got to go from right where up. it is. It's just do nothing for a little while. Just, just watch it and you'll find that one by one the leaves will drop off and uh, when it's dormant in winter, uh, move it. But don't wait too long. Mulberries start growing probably towards the end of winter and they're into action pretty quickly. And they, of course, usually fruit. I'm assuming it's one that fruits well before Christmas. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, do the right thing and dig, prepare. Prepare the, the soil now and uh, get some organic matter and compost and dig that into the soil now so that when you move it, probably in June, I would suggest probably middle or late June would be a good time to do that. 
and uh, it's got good soil to go into and uh, you're ready to go for the next season. Uh, that, when you actually move it, you're obviously uh, you're chopping off a lot of the root system, so you need to also chop off some of the uh, uh, top growth and reduce that quite considerably. Bear in mind that when you do cut it back, it comes into new, very strong growth. Be prepared to tip prune the new gro- strong growth before it gets too long so that you're trying to keep it compact rather than allowing it to grow back uh, and taller than you are. Wonderful. And also, John, so take the height out, but also take the width out as well, do you think? Yes, you can prune it back. Uh, if, if From a, yep. just a, a moving point of view, you need to cut it back by at least uh, 30, maybe 40%. But when you do that, it'll come into very strong growth. So you select and sort of say, right, these are where I want the branches to grow. You don't want too many branches in the middle, so you can chop those out altogether. But then that new strong growth, uh, you can either let it grow long and then chop it back by a third. But rather than do that, when the the growth is probably about uh, 30 or 40 centimetres long, the new growth, take the tips out and if you take the tips mm-hmm. out it ha- it forces it to produce lots of smaller branches behind where you've removed the tip and that produces a lovely compact bush or tree rather than allowing it to go back to where it was wonderful thank you so much john thanks jill for the call appreciate it allison is in parkside allison you've got a japanese box hedge um what's happening to it I've had it for about 12 years. It faces north and um, prolific um, uh, growing. So I chop it back usually two to three times a year. Uh, Last year, I gave it an incredibly good haircut. uh, And this year, it's grown back beautifully. However, I've noticed that there are small patches where the leaves are almost pure white. So I'm assuming either I've got to give it some type of nutrients or perhaps it's got some type of bug on it. Is it uh, the white on the sunny side of the, of the bushes? Um, so it faces north so they get all day sun and it's on the top and... No, it's, it's mainly on the top. Yeah, on the top, OK. I think it's just sun, the effect of the sun on the leaves. It can cause the leaves to go uh, to to bleach, um, and particularly you'll find that you've pruned it and so it's very, very soft. Uh, it exposes the soft leaves it comes into new growth that also is very very soft and if you get a little uh, day where you get hot hot weather um, you can get uh, uh, it just uh, causes the leaves to sort of uh, the the green just disappears that can be the problem sometimes if you've got say uh, wet leaves and you get the sun on them that can bleach them Uh, the whiteness is uh, is it completely over the whole leaf or just on part of the leaf Oh, so it's the entire leaf, but yeah. interesting enough, so in the hedge there's approximately 20 plants in total yeah. and there would be about three of them where a quarter of them, uh, the leaves in those three bushes are white. Okay, that's a bit of a worry. Um, I'd take the leaves to a garden centre, a good garden centre, and let them have a look at it. Uh, um, it could be that there's a, a nutrient, but for just the leaves to... And if it's the top leaves, it's a bit of a mystery. I'd need to have a look at it <laughs> to sort of be give you a sensible answer on that one, I think, Alison. That's OK. I shall go and visit my local garden centre then. Yeah, yeah. Take some leaves with you. Oh, yeah, take, some, yeah, take some of the leaves. <laughs> yes. that, that's most important. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, we, 
just a few white leaves, you know, I just put down down to sunland, sunburn or mm. the fact that uh, it's been uh, wet, the leaves are wet and the sun has shone on it and stopped the, uh, the just uh, the photosynthesis hasn't or just stopped. Kicked in there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alison, good luck. Let us know what the outcome is. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Patris is in Goolwa Beach. Um, now, we've got an issue around almond trees. We've got changes of colours of different plants today, a bit of a theme going. Hi, Patris. Good morning. <clears throat> yes, my daughter's moved in. Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> Always happens at the worst time, doesn't it, Patris? <laughs> exactly I know that right. being a broadcaster. Yeah, now she's got two of them and they're in uh, fairly big pots. And they're looking pretty sad. The leaves are very brown. Uh, the pots are about oh, five to six hundred high and four hundred wide, so they're pretty big pots. Um, can we um, repot them? Uh, yes, I'd wonder why the leaves are going brown. Is it the brown going round the edges, or is it the the whole leaf? And is it the young leaves or the old leaves that are browning? It's it's the young leaves, but it's the whole tree. Everything's brown. I don't. Know. Um, I would be very, very suspicious that you've got uh, a drainage problem. Um, the pots uh, that, that you've got, they're very large, and often the big problem with those large pots, they only have one hole, a small hole in the middle of it, and after a few years you'll find that that gets uh, gunked up and uh, you end up every time your water uh, that doesn't drain, the excess water doesn't drain, and so you get a build-up of water underneath the root system, and that causes uh, the pro- kind of problem that you're describing at the moment, Petros. Um, so, yeah, um, you can certainly uh, repot them, and if you, uh, the almond trees, they'll drop their leaves, they'll become dormant during winter, so you'll do it during winter. Oh, sorry, sorry, John, they're uh, olive trees, <laughs> not almonds. Oh. Olives. That's very different. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Right, oh, well, for olive leaves to go brown, they're pretty resilient, I think, yeah. Um, When you take them out of the old pots, have a good look at the uh, hole. And anybody that's getting, uh, going to plant into a large container, for heaven's sake, drill extra holes. Be careful the way you do it, but you need extra holes, extra drainage. Otherwise, you're going to run into that particular problem. Mm. Um, But, uh, okay, the same thing applies with olives. Uh, They're going to be, uh, uh, they're probably still in active growth. I'd be waiting until probably, or sometime during winter, probably late winter, uh, maybe I'd be doing that first couple of weeks in August before it starts to come into new growth. But you, you, you move it and it comes into new growth almost straight away because it's evergreen. It'll get a bit of a setback. But they're pretty resilient and I think you'll find uh, if you can make sure you don't put them into pots that are going to have uh, poor drainage. Okay, thank you, Patches, for the call. And thank you so much to all of our Appy Gardeners that texted in this morning with all of the lovely jobs they love doing in the garden. I, I, I really got so much pleasure reading them. Sorry we couldn't read them all out. We would have spent the whole of the program doing it. But if you missed out and you haven't won anything... From ABC Radio Adelaide in the last month. Oh, uh, heaps, aren't you? <laughs> I know we are. Um, I have got two brand new copies of the April 2023 Gardening Australia magazine. The question is, though, what is on the cover of the April ABC Gardening Australia magazine? We've got two of them to give away right now. Call in on 1300 222 891. Or if you've got Appy this morning, just tap the ABC Listen app. 
Talkback Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. The phones are running hot. I'll tell you who the winners are in just a moment. But, John, everyone's a winner with your tomato season 2023 survey because how the many, and we've got over a 1,000 people who have uh, already taken part in it, they provide so much invaluable information that you then help the rest of us with over the coming season. Yes, it's a fascinating survey where we look at uh, those who had excellent crops and good crops and they get uh, separated from those who had uh, disappointing crops and poor crops. And uh, you can see very clearly why sometimes uh, if you do it this way, it works, and if you do it that way, it doesn't work. But let's take a look at the overall picture. Over a 1,000 respondents, and thank you very much for filling in the forms. Uh, It does make uh, uh, for an excellent survey, and when you get over a 1,000, it gives you a pretty good indication of what's going on. Absolutely. in terms of growing tomatoes. And so we look at the, the satisfaction. Uh, uh, were you happy with uh, the performance of your crops? And would you believe, despite the fact that it was a cooler than average summer season and it was certainly a much cloudier uh, season, two-thirds of those that filled in the forms were uh, had either an excellent or good crop. And that just means that a third had probably a poor or disappointing. And if you drill down into the uh, the good ones, 68%, 68% of people had either a good or a, 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 an excellent season. And that's just a smidgen below last year. And last year, it was a record amount of 72% sort of it was a good tomato season. And why is it so? Just out of the blue, two very, very good tomato growing seasons. And it's what uh, you take a look at what happens invariably in the past and the season, the surveys have been going now for over 15 years. And so there's this trend. And every time we get heat waves, uh, the tomato season crashes. And this, we've had two years without heat waves. And uh, the interesting thing is that um, this year, um, 20% of those who put in a main crop also put in a second crop. Ah. They're listening to Darren Ray and Darren's saying, "Okay, no heat waves this season, let's put in a a second crop. And 20% compared with about 4% normally. And so that, I think, is quite fascinating. Now, okay, so it was um, a cloudy and cooler season. And would you believe the outstanding problem for everybody, regardless of whether it was a good crop or a poor crop, of course, was slow ripening. Mm. 80% of the people that filled in the forms had identified that as their main problem for the growing season. I thought I would have been uh, probably poor fruit set, but no, and it wasn't even uh, a small fruit. Uh, that was a problem. And the other area that was a, a significant problem, and that uh, once they came out of the blue, but because of the uh, the season, uh, it, uh, fungal diseases were much larger than normal, and that's something we, we'll drill into because uh, all we did is do, did you have leaf, leaf or root diseases, and there was a significant number of people that I think 46, almost half the people that filled in the form have had a problem with a fungal disease. And uh, the other area which surprised me a little was blossom end rot. That's when the end of your tomato goes all black. And I think, why is that so? But if you think about it, it's a cooler season. Uh, so blossom end rot is a calcium deficiency, and calcium moves slowly through 
through the plant. And so you've got to have even moisture in the soil uh, to allow the calcium to get from the soil into your tomatoes. Otherwise, you end up with blossom and rot. And so I think it was cooler, and so people weren't watering as regularly as they were in the past, and so they haven't watered, and along comes a little spike of heat, and the poor old plants say, where's our moisture? We can't take in the calcium unless we've got moisture, and so in comes the blossom and rot. Now, that's my speculation. In two weeks' time, when the survey is finished, sitting next to me or talking on on the phone will be Dominic Cavallaro. He's one of the top tomato or fruit and vegetable uh, uh, agronomists uh, uh, working out of Virginia and looks after the the commercial uh, tomato growers and he'll be our judge and uh, jury and he'll also (laughs) give us the explanation as to what's going on so that we can say "This, this has happened, why? And that's most important that we can learn from what everybody has contributed to to a wonderful survey. Exactly. So hop on if you haven't yet completed John's uh, Tomato Season 2023 survey. Please do it now if you're a subscriber to his Good Gardening uh, newsletter, which arrives in your inbox every Friday morning. And congratulations to Jeanette in Tea Tree Gully and Veronica in Brighton. Both knew that Banksias are on the cover of the new April ABC Gardening Australia magazine. Um, Well done. I think we've got time for another call this morning. Kathy is in Spalding. Kathy, you've got a problem that many rose gardeners know a lot about: earwigs. Uh-huh. Oh, they're nearly driving us mad. They're eating everything in the garden, and hooray to this time extension finishing. <laughs> and you people in Adelaide get more rain than we get up here. Well, okay, so let's take a look at your earwigs. Uh, are you mulching your garden, Kathy? Yes. Yes, okay. And that's the, one of the downsides of mulch. Mulch has many, many benefits, but uh, it provides ideal uh, breeding conditions and conditions for the earwigs. They can get in amongst the mulch and they breed and they don't get dried out. And uh, so if you don't watch it, you build up uh, the populations. Um, and so you've got a, a major problem there is no easy solution there, Kathy, except uh, some form of trapping, and you need to uh, have your system and, and do it regularly. Um, you can either uh, have little dishes of oil and uh, you bury that in half into the soil so that the earwigs can get in there and, and they just drown in, in the oil, but you have to virtually clean that out every second or third day. And the other areas you'll find that they don't like daylight, so they come out at night time, and at night time, uh, in daytime, they hide. And people just get, say, crunched up a newspaper and stick it inside a, an old pot and leave that on the ground. And the earwigs, after the night and the, start, the daylight start to appear, they all pile into the pot with a crimpled newspaper, and all you've got to do is dispose of them. And if you do that on a regular basis, you'll reduce the population. You don't have to eliminate it. And uh, I just suggest that keep an eye on it next season, Kathy, because you'll find that if you've got a big population now, they'll lay lots and lots of eggs, and you could have another big problem next year. So as you see them starting to emerge and you see lots of little small earwigs that's the time to start trapping and to reduce the population but I know no other better way than just population dynamics you've got to control the population 
There you go, Cathy. Thanks and good luck with that particular task. I'm sorry, I don't think we've got any more time for talkback gardening this morning. John, uh, a weekend ahead where people will be out in the garden. Um, It's uh, cloudy today, sunny tomorrow, so perfect gardening weather. Yes, I think so. And prepare yourself for a wet weekend in Easter, but uh, do what you're going to do in Easter. Do it this weekend, I think. (laughs) Anyway, I'll say good gardening and good sleeping tonight.